Welcome to Wuffles Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wuffle. So how did the Green Bay Packers fare in the draft? Did the Packers fill their biggest needs? Did they acquire enough talented prospects to get them back on track and into the playoffs next season. Hi, I'm Gary Wolfel, and joining me for the next hour or so is the inevitable, say that 10 times, <laughs> Rob, Reich, Rob Reichel, the outstanding uh, Packers writer for Forbes.com. And we're going to address the many, many questions surrounding the draft. And first of all, Rob, are you uh, fully recovered from that scintillating three days of excitement? It took a couple of days, but you and I are doing this on Wednesday, you know, a couple of days after the draft. So, yes, I am recovered now, but Sunday and Monday were still rough. Once those picks get going, Gary, it's, it's insanity over there and a lot to write and a lot of a lot of scouts that come and talk and players that are interviewed and Gutekunst shows up and talks about a lot of the picks and Matt LaFleur talks. It's a circus. It's crazy. Um, I'll give the Packers a lot of credit. They do a nice job bringing in all the powers that be that had anything to do with the pick to talk about the pick and then get the players on the phone pretty quickly, Gary, you know, within 10 minutes or so after, after they're drafted, which, uh, which, which makes life nice for, um, for the reporters over there. And it, it's a crazy three days from, from Thursday night to Saturday night, uh, pretty wild 48 hours. And especially when they go 13 picks, Gary. Yeah. The, the, the draft was actually pretty fascinating and I'm still, Still amazed at the number of people that go to these drafts to see it live and they stand there for four or five hours and do nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. What did they have, like 300,000 or something over the three days? Yeah, the, the numbers are just insane, right? And, yeah. and and I hope it does end up in Green Bay in the next couple of years. That And I think it will before Mark Murphy's tenure as president is over. He's down to about two years left in his time as Packer president. And I have a hunch, you know, he's done a lot of good things for the league. He's been on a number of committees. I have a hunch they're going to throw him that as a kind of a going away present before it's all said and done. But that's uh, a good call. Yeah, yeah, that would be outstanding. You know? Yeah, I, I think I think that's a pretty good possibility, Gary, that that happens. Um, but no, I mean, you're, you're right. And a lot of these guys stand around and hear names that are called names they've never heard in their lives. And they, they react either like they just won the lottery or they found out their wife was having an affair or something like that. I mean, for that, for that remarkably dramatic, right, of an exclamation uh, on, on their faces one way or the other, it, it, it is highly entertaining to, to watch the fans and, and the various fan bases as, you know, some, some random cornerback from Auburn or, you know, Kentucky or something like that gets chosen. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a hoot, Gary, that, that's for sure. But the, num- the numbers are off the charts. You, you, you could probably make a case. It's the second most popular sport, if you call it a sport. And the numbers certainly back that up. Nothing's ever going to catch an NFL Sunday or anything like that or the big games that the league has. But the, the league's gotten so smart, Gary, how they market themselves in the offseason. You know, not now we're going to get into the schedule release here and things like that. And, and people will go crazy over the fact that, you know, they find out in week nine their team is going to Cleveland or something like that. Yeah, it's, exactly. Uh, it's, oh, uh, the of popularity which. of the league, Gary, is just uh, it, it's just unmatched. And, you know, things like Major League Baseball and the NBA are trying to find every way possible to play catch up and just can't do it. 
you know, you're, you're talking about uh, next year's regular season opener. The one I proposed to a couple other guys is this, the New York Jets versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Mahomes yeah, I, and Rodgers. Usually, Gary, with a matchup like that, they're going to give those teams a month to kind of get settled and acclimated. I have a hunch you'll see that in early October. Maybe not right away in week one. They'll Can give you imagine, though, know, the ratings right off the bat? I mean, with oh. Roger, I'm, I mean, by week four, Rodgers might be, you know, crappy. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't bet on that. Um, I, here's no. what I would say, though, Gary. The ratings in week one are going to be sky high. If you no you know, matter what, right. right. If you play the Titans and the Texans, right. So yeah. it's a good call, and the Chiefs are going to get a home game and, and a home opponent. I don't know their schedule well enough. You know, I, I first looked at Green Bay's the other day and uh, kind of started studying that a little bit in terms of the opponents. I don't know Kansas City, but um, yeah. it's an interesting call, Gary. You would, uh, Rob. You know, I guarantee you that would be the highest rated NFL game, and that's saying a lot. But I really believe. Considering it's Rodgers, considering it's Mahomes, those packages don't come along very often. It's not again. It's not, it's not a bad call. I I think the Jets would object to having Probably. to play that, <laughs> play that right out of the shoot with Rodgers. And again, I just you know every everybody has a voice in this to some extent, and I don't know how you know, how, how closely the league would listen. You're not wrong. It would probably set a, ra- a ratings record, but Gary, if you also put it on in week five and the chiefs were four and all and the jets were three and one, you know, right. you'd, you'd get right. an insane number there as well. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, the NFL is on just an incredible role and it, it's not, that role isn't going to stop anytime soon. I don't think either Rob there, there's just so many things to talk about the draft, uh, the Packers draft in particular, but to uh, start out, why don't you give me your two things that you really, really liked about the Packers draft? All right, Gary. Number one, I would say going into the draft, Gary, I, I, I ranked their needs in this order. Number one, wide out. Number two, tight end. Number three, edge. Number four, safety. Mm-hmm. And outside of safety, Gary, he hit all of those and he hit them hard. He got himself three wide outs. We'll find out now whether these guys can play or not. He got two tight ends. Green Bay never drafts two tight ends. Most of the time, they don't draft one in the in the first two days, Gary, which is the top three rounds. And and he obviously went, you know, tight end in round two and in round three with Musgrave and Kraft. And then you know he takes Lucas Van Van Ness in round one and he addresses the edge. So you know he he covers wide out. He covers tight end. He covers edge rusher slash outside linebacker. Now we're going to find out whether or not these guys can play um, moving forward, but he did. And, you know, and, and I said this going in Gary, you know, a lot of their needs really did line up with some of the strengths in the draft. It was a terrific tight end draft. It was a really good edge rush draft and outside linebacker draft. It was not a good wide receiver draft. So we'll find out, you know, on Jaden Reed, for example, and, you know, in round two or, you know, that's the, my guy, Rob. Yeah. He, you know, Be careful. He, he calls, you know, in the fifth Gary, they took a kid named Dontavian Wicks. He calls himself Tay. So Tay Wicks, we'll find out on him, you know, just, He's throwing a lot of bodies, Gary, at positions that were really empty and and really had to be restocked on the roster. And we'll find out if he, you know, if he hit it or not. Um, so that that's the first thing I liked, Gary. He paired, you know, needs with theoretically guys that were the highest rated player on his board or certainly in in the range. You know, I, I don't think he reached 
for any of these guys, Gary, the Van Nesses, the, the Reeds, the Musgraves, the, the Crafts, players like that. And, and he filled some needs, and I think he got pretty good football players. We'll find out, you know, once 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 the summer gets here with training camp and and obviously the games. But on paper, it looks like he did a, a really nice job there. And and then Gary, I you know I I think he got some real value late in the draft with a with a couple of kids who I like a lot. He took Carl Brooks, this defensive tackle from Bowling Green, and and. And he, and he took Colby Wooden uh, in, in the fourth round, another defensive lineman from Auburn. And, and, and Gary, I think Wooden's going to start from day one. Um, do. I do at defensive end. And wow. I, think Brooks, I think Brooks will be a big part of that rotation uh, right away. Uh, Wooden, Gary's a four, seven, three guy. He can really move. They lost, as you well know, you know, Jaron Reed and Dean Lowry in free mm-hmm. agency. They, they needed defensive ends. I, I kind of thought he'd go to the defensive end well earlier. Don't, he, don't you kind of put Van Ness in that mold, though, where he can no, play either Van or? Ness will, no, Van Ness will play outside linebacker like Rashawn Gary. Because he, he was down at Iowa, though, right? He was. He was a down kid at Iowa. But, but you know, it's much like Rashawn Gary. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Gary, um, they will – they will move him now to outside linebacker and, and, and he'll, he'll have to learn that new position, which, you know, we all saw it. It took Rashawn Gary a year and a half to, to really figure out how, how to make that transition from a stand-up end in a four, three uh, to an outside linebacker in a three, four, and he's turned into a terror and they think Van Ness can be that kind of a player, but no Gary, he, he will not line up, you know, in a, but, but you know what, Rob, with, with those gimmicky defenses, they play now, a lot of those guys play right on the line. You know what I mean? Whether sure. they're edge rushers, defensive ends. Yep. And Gary you know. on passing downs, obviously you'll see yeah. him move up in the front and, and, you know, and, and they're not going to have him drop in coverage a ton, Gary, when it's third and 11 mm-hmm. um, or something like that, he'll be attacking quarterbacks from, from the defensive line spot at that point in time, much like they did. If you remember with Zadarius Smith, you know, Zadarius Smith was a stand-up outside linebacker on earlier downs. And then they moved him up and let him attack quarterbacks on obvious passing downs. Van Ness will be in that role. Rashawn Gary, when he gets back, is in that role. Preston Smith can be in that role, you know, because they take the big monsters off the field, Gary, the guys who are on the, you know, on there to start. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, if, if TJ Slayton is part, a part of a, you know, of their base package, for example, Gary at 350 pounds um, to try to plug up the run on early downs, and, and they line him up, for example, next to Kenny Clark. Well, now when it's third and 12, TJ Slayton's gone. Kenny yeah. Clark stays on the field. And now all of a sudden the guys next to him are people like Van Ness and, you know, Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith and, and people like that who can attack quarterbacks. So that's the path they'll take with Lucas Van Ness. But Gary, you know, my, my second thing is, I you know, I did think they found value later in the draft on, on day three. I'm a big fan of Colby Wooden. Like I said, I, I think he's got a chance to play a lot immediately. You know, Brooks tore it up. Carl Brooks, the sixth round defensive tackle at Bowling Green. I understand it's subpar competition, but the bottom line is, is, you know, he, he was as good of a defensive player the last couple of years as they had in that league. Now, if he can translate even, you know, 60% of that production to the national football league, he's going to be part of, of that rotation. And, and he'll be part of that rotation right away, Gary, um, you know, and then even in the seventh with a kid like Carrington Valentine, the corner, he runs a four, four, uh, four, 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 40, Gary, 
he came out early of, out of Kentucky a couple of years. He could have stuck around. He bet on himself. It didn't really pay off um, in terms of that bet. But uh, the Packers got a guy there who I, I, I would bet anything Gary is going to make the football team and, and immediately contribute on special teams and, and maybe have a chance down the road to, uh, to, to play a little bit in nickel and dime. And really the same thing with Anthony Johnson Jr., the safety they took in round seven out of Iowa State. He was largely a corner, you know, with the Cyclones, played safety. Safety later on, they've got a huge need for safety. He could be a guy who's a dark horse to get in the mix yeah. in, in that safety spot. So, you know, Gary, again, I, I don't think there were a ton of reaches along the way. I, I, I think they got some talented guys that filled some needs. As I was driving home from the draft late Saturday night, I was chatting for a while with a scout. He really thinks Green Bay is going to win the division. He said He's they had alone. He said they have as many talented players right now on that roster as anybody yeah. in the NFC North. So I um, totally agree. And we'll, we'll see how it plays out. The, the, the problem, Gary, though, it, it's a grown man's league. Uh, you're in your prime at 27, 28, 29, not 22. And they're going to have a lot of 22 year olds on the field. Rob, when I was at the uh, NFL combine in Indianapolis, I had a chance to uh, talk to, Jackson Smith and Nigba. And I asked him point blank because he had met with the Packers. And I said, What did you take away from that meeting? And he started smiling and he goes, They want a receiver. And then he started smiling. And I thought, Oh my God, he, he's got some kind of a verbal agreement already with the Packers that if he's on the board, they're taking him. You know, I mean, just his whole reaction led me to believe he was the guy. And I, I felt that way. Up until uh, a week before the draft, uh, especially after talking to an agent who represented one of the receivers in the draft, and he said, yeah, the Packers want one of these three guys. And he was referring to uh, the Ohio State kid, Jordan Addison. Who am I missing here is the third one. Zay Flowers, maybe. Zay, it was. It was Zay Flowers. And I said, okay, yeah. so everything's trending towards Packers taking a receiver. And then – a couple of days later, I, I talked to an NFL scout, and he goes, man, those receivers are overrated. He goes, there's no comparison between this class and last year's class, you know, with Olavi and Garrett Wilson, et cetera. And uh, you know what? Sure enough, Gutekunst kind of, you know, bore that out when he took Van S instead of those receivers. And if you remember Jackson Smith and Nigba, or however you pronounce his name, didn't go until like the 20th pick, okay? So that was like seven picks later, okay? The first tight end off the board was uh, Kincaid, and he went at 25. So I give props to uh, to for sticking to the board. I mean, he could have easily overreached there just to appease a lot of people. Well, I have a completely different opinion on this. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> uh, a, a time will play out whether whose yeah. board was right and, and whose wasn't. My thought was there were only two or three wideouts worthy of a first round pick. And it's a lot easier to hit home runs in round one than it is in round two or round three. You know, the odds double mm -hmm. uh, or the odds go in half when you get to round two of finding a Pro Bowl player. They go to about a quarter in round three of finding a Pro Bowl player versus round one. And Gary, I, I, I would have gone with Smith and Ajigba right away at 13 in, instead of Van Ness. They, they need difference makers immediately. Now, now Reed could turn out to be that guy, the kid they, they traded back twice from, from 45 to 48 and then 48 to 50, and they took him 
you know, kind of middle of the second round, he'll play immediately in the slot, the rookie from Michigan state. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think he'll be productive Gary, but Gary, think about this. You you flash back to 2021. Okay. When Ohio state had Smith, the Jigba, they had Garrett Wilson and, and they had Olavi. Garrett Wilson and Olavi were the all pro uh, or, or rookie uh, all pro wideouts last year. Okay. Who was the best receiver on Ohio state in 2021? Yeah, I know. Yeah. He he was better than the two kids, Gary, in last year's draft that everybody's crazy about. Um, And I I, I didn't buy that. And Gary, I'm with you. Last year's draft was dramatically better at wide receiver than than this year's is. And that's why to me, you had to go get one early, not, not wait. The odds that green Bay is going to have hit it here in round five, for example, with Wicks or in, in round seven with the bow are very slim. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're, they're not going to be great. And Gary, it was a deep edge draft. It was a deep outside linebacker draft. So now again, I like what Gutekunst did right out of the shoot in terms of filling his top three needs, yes. right? Outside linebacker, yeah, tight end, good. wide receiver. He hit him. The only thing I would say is I would have gone in a different order. I would have started wide receiver. I, I've said this a thousand times on the show. This is an offensive league first, Gary, and a defense. Oh, no question. No question. Gary, out of the 14 teams in the playoffs last year, 13 were in the top half of of offense. You know the one team that wasn't? (laughs) The Giants. I won't. And And, and they're off. Yeah, they're off. And and they were 18th, you know, so they were right on the break. And then, Gary, we're talking um, the, the four teams that made the conference finals last year, the Eagles, the 49ers, the Bengals, the Chiefs, all in the top six or seven in total offense and scoring offense. It's a, and you and I have had this conversation on the show many times. It's an offensive league. He keeps going defense, just like Ted did all those years. Defense, defense, defense in these in these first rounds. It's 12 out of 13 now, Gary. I'm telling you, if 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 you've put 12 of your last 13 first round picks on the defense side of the defensive side of the ball, you flipping better be the 85 Bears or the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. I agree. I, I tweeted that out on draft night. And they're, and they're as average as it gets on that side of the ball. So, uh, you know, one of these years, Gary, to me, and, and again, it, he, at least in rounds two and three, he went back all offense, tight end, wide out, tight end, you know, um, and, and he needed to beef up the offense there and he, and he did it. I just would have gone the, here's what I would have done, Gary. I would have gone wide out first, tight end, second edge rusher, third. Small yeah. Thing. Yeah. Small yeah, things to pick at, but that's what I would have done. Yeah, you know what? And and I was a huge Michael Mayer fan, and I still am a huge Michael Mayer fan. Yep. And you know he he lasted early into the second round. I mean, I I was thinking of this at the time of the draft. I, if I was the Packers, I would have traded back, you know, seven eight spots or whatever, and, and taken Mayer there. I, I mean, to me, I I might be way off on this, but I think he's going to be a special tight end you know, at some point. So, well, Gary, here's what I would, and I said this going into the draft, right? Green Bay had picked 13. If, if, if you flash back to Brian Gutekunst's first draft in 2018, yeah, he had picked 14. So roughly the same spot yeah. on the board. Right. And if you remember back in 2018, what he did is he traded he, back, he traded back to 27 yep. and, and then he moved and he picked up a first from the saints and then he moved back up to 18. He gave up a second to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's when he picked Jair Alexander. So he really only moved back four spots on the board, Gary, and he picked up a one for the next year. Right. 
Right. He's sitting at 13 this year, and I'm with you. I thought that yeah, you thought know what? And, and I, I don't even have a problem with your idea of getting the receiver first. But I, when I saw uh, Smith and then Jigba at the combine, I had some doubts. I mean, I looked at his body frame, and, and I'll tell you what, Rob, he is a small guy, number one. And then number two, uh, after talking to some scouts, they go, you know, they had serious uh, concerns about his speed. And I, I actually looked at some film of him, and he got ran down a couple of times. And I'm thinking, like, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't have any doubts he's going to be a nice receiver. I just don't know how great a receiver he's going to be. The guy, yeah, so, like, on, so, on the website was Jordan Addison. I mean, what he did at Pittsburgh was phenomenal. And, you know, when, when Minnesota took him, I thought, holy cow. You right. got Jefferson and Addison, and you got Hawkinson. I mean, talk about, a, a, you know, fantastic threesome of receivers. No, I, I, I don't disagree. Let me let me just finish that thought, Gary. Yeah. So, so if I'm good at Kunst at 13 and I go back to 26 and then I go back up to 20, let's say, okay, yeah. yeah. and pick up that first. Now he takes whatever. I think actually at 20 is where Smith and Ajigba went, right? Or that was where that yeah, run of wide 20, receivers yeah. was going on. Quentin Johnston and Addison and Flowers and those guys. Now, if, if, if things played out and you found the right trading partners to do that, Gary, and I know it's not always easy, everybody's got different needs, and he picks up a one for next year, just like he did back in 2018. Yeah, yeah. You turn the page now, Gary, to next year. He's got his own first, he's got the Jets first, and he's got a first coming out of this draft. If Jordan Love stinks, now he's got three number ones <laughs> yeah. to move around the board, Next year is a legendary quarterback draft led by the kid from USC, who everybody thinks is Patrick Mahomes 2.0. And now you control the draft with those three first round picks. That would have been my mindset if I was Brian Gutekunst. Yeah, no, I, I could see that. I, I would be curious. I, I don't know if anybody in the media asked him this or not, but I would be curious to see where the Packers had Vanessa on the draft board. If they had him at 13 or in that ballpark, or if they had him higher, you know? Yeah, that, that's right where they had him, Gary. I forget who, who asked that. My question to one of the guys was how much, you know, how much he had moved up through the course of the last three months, because you're talking about a kid in Van Ness, never started a game at Iowa, part-time player, played about 50% of the snaps. I get it. It's a senior dominant culture, you know, inside Kirk Ferentz's program, he likes to play his older guys, his upperclassmen, and and young guys. I have have to kind of wait their turn. Even though Van Ness was the, their best defensive lineman probably last year, it, it, it it's kind of like Greg Gard's Badger basketball team, right? You you kind of wait your turn and and to to get on the floor. So when even when you are a Johnny Davis and you're the best player on the roster, you only play 20 minutes a you know a game that first year, and you and you sit behind some some turds along the way. <laughs> that was the case for Van Ness. Now he did but I move think up. You Correct he me did move up Gary a lot of draft boards this offseason because again he didn't have that much deal. He had a lot of tape. Don't get me wrong, but he he didn't have seventy five snaps a game. He didn't have. I, I thought he was. He, I thought he played the second most downs of any defense lineman at Iowa, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that's true, but again, he came off the bench to do it, and then yeah, yeah. You know, and then he was tough to get off the field, but again. You know, they're subbing and they're, you know, they're in a lot of nickel and dime too, where they take their big guys off the field. You know, I think a snap count last year at Iowa was 55% or something like that. You know, so you're, you know, you're, you're not talking about a, 
you know, a, a guy that was on, on the field, like Kenny Clark, who a lot of years goes 85, 90% of the snaps, something like that in, in green Bay, obviously a guy like Van Ness has got a ton of upside and that's why they, they took yeah, him there. Yeah. He's young. You know, you, you're speaking of edge rushers, a, a guy that was taken by the jets with the Packers original pick was Will McDonald from Iowa state. And I don't know if you saw this or not. That guy is a freak. I mean, I don't know if you saw the video where he jumped over a car. He took like four or five steps and he jumps over a car. <laughs> so, so Gary, he's a Waukesha North kid, and I talked to him yeah. at length. I talked to him at length before the draft for a big story I wrote on him. Phenomenal kid, incredible story. Moved out to the Pewaukee area before his sophomore year as a high schooler. Mm-hmm. Thought he was going to be an NBA player. Gary knew nothing about football. Um, yeah. The coach at Waukesha North at the time, this uh, guy named Matt Harris, who's now at Heartland Arrowhead, saw him down the hall and he said, oh, my God, who the heck is that? You know, and he ran him down. And for a month straight, he tried to get this kid to even come out for football, Gary. Uh, you know, when McDonald was a sophomore at, at Waukesha North and, and, the, and the kid wouldn't do it. He had to work, Gary, and, and support to help support the family. Mm-hmm. Finally, they finally they got him to, uh, you know, come out and try Gary. He didn't know what the goalposts were. The coach had told the coach told him run down to the goalposts at one point in time. He didn't know what goalposts were. The, the kid was as raw, green as grass, naive as, as anyone you will ever see inside this sport. His his high school coach told me they were out to dinner one night at a Texas Roadhouse. McDonald's like a junior, and he gets a call from Nick Saban. Okay. He's just starting to blow up. He had had a good summer. He, he had a lot of good tape on film. Saban calls as they're having dinner. Okay. Kid picks up. You know what he asked Saban? He asked Saban if Alabama was a division one program. <laughs> That's how naive and raw this kid oh. is. So, you know, um, and, and, and he's just a sweet, innocent kid, Gary. That is a great story. Isn't that a great story? He goes over to Madison, um, you know, for his, for his day with the Badgers, his recruiting visit, he comes back and he calls his high school coach and he goes, uh, I had the best time ever at Lambeau field. And his high school coach says, says, Will, you, you were at Camp Randall. You know, I mean, that's that 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 that's how raw again, yeah, green as yeah. grass, that that sweetheart of a of a kid. And and obviously his his upside is through the roof. He's only been playing football five, six years. And he and his, you know, his times, his measurements, everything is just off the chart. So, you know, to your point, yes. The, the Jets might have found themselves an absolute stud there in, in McDonald's. Gary, watching his career path against Lucas Van Ness. Oh, it's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating, not yeah. only because, you know, those picks were flip-flop for each other, but now they play the same position. Exactly. No, it, it's going to be interesting how that, uh, you know, I, I love those stories, though. I mean, they're just crazy. You know, the guy <laughs> that doesn't have a clue about what's going on in football. Are you a Division One program? Yeah, that's classic. <laughs> Nick Saban, right? I, I would have loved to hear what Saban's response was. You know, click. <laughs> well, I think that is what happened. I think I think Saban got off the recruiting trail pretty quickly with him. <laughs> you know, that that, that kind of reminds me of the kid, uh, Chad Ryland, the kicker from Maryland, who went in the fourth round, who I'm a, I'm a huge fan of. And I, I was talking to him about how he got into kicking and he was a soccer player of course and you you hear a lot of that all the time soccer players becoming kickers but he said he never followed football at all either and in one of the coaches asked him to go out and try he didn't know where to stand he didn't know anything about the steps 
nothing. I mean, it was just like starting from from the bottom, you know. Yep. Yeah. And now I, I think he's going to be a fabulous kicker in the NFL. But uh, no, those those stories are wonderful. Uh, well, I'll give you one more real quick on McDonald, even though he's a jet. It, it, it was a fascinating story that that I did right pre-draft. It, it's late in his sophomore year, right? He had never he, he had still never played. Never. And and they throw him out there in a JV game. OK, he's he's a Waukesha North kid. I, I think the coach said they were playing Waukesha West uh-huh. and he still didn't know what to do, Gary, you know, in terms of a two or three point stance. They they just they just let him go because he was so ridiculously athletic and just said, go attack the quarterback. Uh, they, they had tried him at tight end. He didn't catch very well. So then they flipped him over and tried him at defensive end and he was a terror. And at least in practice, he was smoking kids every day. So at halftime, Gary, he's got seven sacks of this JV game. Okay. First time he's ever been on the field. Yeah. yeah. He, he's a sophomore. He, Gary, he's never played a down of organized football. He's got seven sacks at halftime and, <laughs> and, and the head coach goes up to the JV coach and he goes, get him off the field. Now he goes, I need him tomorrow night. <laughs> oh man. And I, that, and that, no, I love those stories. Aren't those yeah. great? I mean, like I said, I I didn't know anything about McDonald or very little about him. But when I saw that video of him, and it wasn't like it was a Volkswagen Beetle. I mean, it was a, you know, compact car, mid-sized car. And I go, holy cow. Can you imagine trying to jump over a car? (laughs) I mean, you know, I thought, thought, honestly, Gary, I thought the Jets were going to give Aaron Rodgers a white out there at pick 15 because green Bay didn't give him one in round one for all those years. I kind of thought it would be there. What I thought would happen first is green Bay would take one as a, maybe a slap to Aaron. And then, and then I thought the jets would do the same thing maybe as a slap back to green Bay, but obviously neither one, neither one went in that direction and both took outside linebackers. So again, it's going to, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how those careers pan out. Oh, exactly. All right. Let's, uh, Go to two things you didn't like. We we probably covered some of them. I mean, you brought up uh, how you would revamp the uh, draft selections. Uh, anything else that? Yeah, you know, and, and again, that that that's nitpicking because I do think Van Ness is going to turn out to be a a pretty good player. I would not even put that in my top two. Number one, Gary, by far, is Anders Carlson, the kicker. I don't think this is going to work out, and and I don't mean to be the Grim Reaper and and Captain of Darkness and all that kind of stuff. But you will. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to throw the stats by you. I'm just going to throw the numbers by you, Gary. Yeah. This kid kicked four years at Auburn, outstanding inside of 40 yards, 91%. Okay. Uh-huh. Really good number. You know what he was, Gary, outside of 40? I know he was horrible. Yeah, I, I do know 50, that. Yeah. 53%. 53%. Outside I mean, of 40, huh? Yeah. Outside of 40 yeah. and beyond. And Gary, he was five of 17 beyond 50 you know, which yeah. puts him at, you know, roughly 30% high twenties. I mean, really, really bad, but just bad. Let's be honest. And, and he's going to come in and not just replace the all-time leading score, Gary, we're talking about the all-time leading score by like double is what Mason Crosby is. I mean, it, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't he like a top 10 all-time score? In the he's 11th. He's 11th yeah, right 11th. now, Gary. Yeah. Um, and if, you know, if, Mason Crosby has averaged about 120 points per season in his 16 years in the league. You know, he's going to sign somewhere eventually, Gary. If he has two more years like that where he gets 120, he's going to jump to fourth all-time yeah. in total score. I mean, he, he's knocking on the door of the all-time greats. 
He made over 82% of his kicks in Green Bay. He understood the conditions of Lambeau Field. He was never in trouble. He was a pro's pro. He was beloved in the locker room. So, though, you know, Gary, he's trying to fill those shoes. You're filling like size 28 feet, right? I mean, in terms of what Crosby is leaving behind here. So now Carlson comes in, Gary. Not only has he struggled, like I said, from beyond 40, you're talking about a kid that's had a couple of significant injuries um, as, as well. Um, he, he, he tore his ACL in 2021. Now it wasn't on the kicking leg, Gary, which is a good thing, but it was still an ACL. It was on his plant leg. And then he had a shoulder injury last year where he missed about a month. You know what? I saw that too, Rob. How did that happen? Anybody know? Yeah. So yeah, something with a, you know, a, 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 he had to make a tackle on a kick return. Oh, and, okay. and he did so, and he did something and he damaged that shoulder. And, you know, actually Auburn had a, a you, you know, the kid who kicks at Cincinnati, I think his name's McPherson, right? The yeah. Bengals. Yeah. From Syracuse. Yeah. Yep. Yep. His uh, younger brother is at Auburn right now too. And most people thought the younger brother was going to be Carlson out for the job. Carlson held him off. And then, you know, when Carlson did get hurt last year, the younger McPherson came in and kicked and, uh, and then Carlson, I think, kicked late in the season. But, um, you know, Gary, if I had to make a prediction right now, I, I don't think this is going to work out particularly well. I, I know the special teams coordinator in Green Bay, Rich Passaccia, loves Carlson. You know, he had some history with the brother who's the kicker right now for the Raiders. Um, I think Daniel is his first name, right? Yeah. He, Daniel started out his career in Minnesota, Gary. He was a fifth-round draft pick himself, I want to say. And he got cut his rookie year. He's one of the better kickers in the league today. Yeah, I think he's 90% over the last three yeah, years he's really good. Uh, with the Raiders. And maybe Green Bay can, you know, work some things, Gary, and get, get Anders uh, on the right track. Uh, hey, yeah, you know what? That was one of my two uh, things I didn't like about the pack draft. And part of the reason was I, I saw Moody and I saw uh, Ryland kick at the Senior Bowl. They, they were outstanding. I thought, okay, I, I get it. You don't want to take a kicker in the fourth round. But if you're in a situation where you need a good kicker, I don't care if it's the – I mean, I wouldn't take one any higher than the third round. I mean, there have been cases in the past where that's happened. But when they get to the fourth round, I'm thinking, like, I wonder if Gutekunst has the guts to pull a trigger here and pick either Mooney or Ryland. And, and of course he didn't, but the two teams that picked him are two of the best organizations in football, 49ers and the Patriots. They recognize how important it is to have a really good kicker. And uh, that, that's, that's one of the uh, things I did not disagree, uh, did not agree with uh, concerning, you know, Brian Gutekunst's uh, draft picks. Gary, I think the average difference in these football games on a given Sunday is like three yes. and four points a game, right? Yes. I mean, so we're talking, you know, we're, we're talking the overwhelming majority of your games are going to be a one possession game, right? You, you better have that field goal, you know, kicking situation figured out. And, and Green Bay has been fortunate other than, you know, some blips here and there that Mason Crosby had over the course, you know, of, of his career. His 16-year body of work rivals almost any in the history of this game, right? The the Jason Hansons, the Morton Andersons, the the Adam Vinatieri's. You know, Mason Crosby's name someday could get mentioned with those guys. And and you're right, nobody's going to take a kicker in round one anymore, like Sebastian Janikowski, yeah. you know, back in the day with with the Raiders or something like that. But 
you know what? If, if you get a guy, Gary, like, you know, the 49ers just did with Moody or the Patriots did obviously, and he's a 10 year player for you. And, yeah. and these kickers, Gary can go 15 years. We, we, we've seen that. We know that heck, why is that not worth a third round pick? Why is that not worth a fourth round pick? Absolutely. I, I'm with you, Gary. I thought they'd go kicker. And, and I, and, and I do wonder how close they were. Like they took Colby Wooden at, or wouldn't I mean at, at, at pick 116 in round four? Like if they really were thinking then of, you know, of, of possibly going kicker or something like that. If I well, remember. Wasn't Ryland taking like maybe three, four picks ahead of the Packers pick, right? Um, Let me check that. Yep, you're right. 112. Yep. So they, they, you know, were, were they thinking at, you know, at that point, maybe if taking Ryland. I'm telling you, Rob, that with both those kickers too, they they kicked in adverse weather, you know, at Maryland, at Michigan, and they kicked at a very high percentage. Carlson's coming from the south. I don't know if he's ever kicked in, in, you know, uh, adverse conditions. And you were talking about Mason Crosby. Where did he kick it? Colorado, right? Right, right. So, So he was exposed to those weather conditions as well. I, I tend to agree with you. I, I have some uh, severe reservations about that pick. So, Gary, you know, if, if, if you remember how Friday night played out, Green Bay takes Musgrave at 42, yeah. and now they're on the clock at 45. And Gutekunst goes back three spots to 48, picks up a fourth. Then he goes back two more spots to 50 and picks up a fifth, I think is how that played out. Yeah, yeah. He picked yeah. up two You're draft right. picks to go ahead and do that. Um, and then he takes Jaden Reed at pick 50. And then he comes back later on. He takes Tucker Kraft at pick 78. Well, now his night is over. Okay. And I, and there's still what, another 25 picks or something left in round three. I think it went to about 100, 102, something yeah, like yeah. that. And he yeah. finished up at 78. And now he's got these two bonus picks that he added just by moving back five spots when it's all said and done. I thought that was an ideal time, maybe to move up late in that third round and steal a kicker. And that's what the 49ers did there with Moody. And, and I think, you know, Moody's going to be a 15 year player and probably multiple time pro bowler. He's the, you know, best kicking prospect we've seen in a handful of years uh, coming out of Michigan here. Kid didn't miss. And um, obviously Brian Gutekunst just sat and he sat and he sat and he went back then on Saturday and he still had nine picks left and he used every single one of them. Did he need 13 players, Gary? He needed cheap labor. We know that he had to rebuild the bottom of the roster. They've kicked so many contracts, you know, down the road, kicked the can down the road for so many years. Now, Gary, they're going to have to pay the credit card bill here and and they're going to pay it obviously in 2024. And that's why, you know, that's why he wanted 13 guys to restock the bottom of the roster. And now for the next few years, when these guys are around, they're going to be cheap labor. But Gary, I think you could have got away with 10 or 11 picks in this draft. You didn't need 13 when it was all said and done. And somewhere there, either in late three or early four, I would have tried to move back in a position to get one of those kickers. Because after the top two, Gary, there was a pretty significant drop. No, I I never heard anybody mention Carlson. when They talked about kickers. Nobody. So... Watch this guy will be a Hall of Fame kicker now. <laughs> yep, absolutely. I know, you know, the Georgia kid was in the mix and you know, there there you know, there were some others too, but yeah. but you know, but but after the big two, obviously, you know, of Moody and Ryland, there there was a dramatic decline, I think, in the eyes of most scouts. And 
again, we'll see. He Carlson still got to go and win the job in Green Bay, but uh, he's going to be giving. He'll be given every chance to do that, Gary. You you don't draft kickers and then and then move yeah. on from them. Yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. No, that that's going to be very very interesting, Gary. Second, I didn't quite get to the second thing. I didn't like. The, I didn't, didn't think there was anything else you didn't like about. That. <laughs> they, they, they they did take a lot of guys, Gary, that are already pretty beat up. You know, a lot of injury stuff with with some of these players. You know, Musgrave, for example, the second round tight end misses all last year except for two games. You know, with with, with the knee injury, Tucker Craft misses a month last year and and has to have surgery. Um, Dontavian Wicks, the fifth round wide receiver, Gary has a Liz Frank injury on his foot and misses a year in 2020 comes back lights it up in 2021 then he's beat up a little bit last year again and then he gets hurt before the combine and he can't do some of the stuff at at, at the combine we've already mentioned Anders Carlson right the kicker who tore an ACL in in the 2021 season the running back Gary they take out of central Michigan Lou Nichols uh, he was beat up last year. You know, we, I won't spend time getting into all these specific injuries, but I get it. It's a violent game, but, but Gary, the, this seems like a high percentage of guys that they took at 21, 22 years old that already have a, a, a pretty hefty injury history on them. And I get it. They're not going to take him if they, you know, don't clear the medical side of things and the Packers don't feel comfortable that, they're going to get past all this stuff or they're already past whatever it is that they had. But um, you know, it, it's not a great sign, Gary, when, when you're bringing in guys that, you know, are 22 years old that are already pretty beat up. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, the other uh, draft pick that uh, where my antenna went up was the Penn state quarterback. Uh huh. And I'm thinking like, do they know something that I don't know? <laughs> I mean, the, the kid's a solid quarterback, you know, I, you know, based on what I've seen him play only a couple times. But to pick um there, I, I don't know. I would have went in a different direction. But but it's it's apparent they needed a quarterback at some point. I, I just went to pick one that early or that soon. Well, to answer your question, yes, Gary, they know a lot that you don't know. And they know a lot that I don't know. And they know a lot that everybody doesn't know, right? This is yeah. this, this is why they get paid multi-million dollars to, to do these jobs. And a guy like Brian Gutekunst does it, you know, 365 days a year, watches these college kids and, and stuff like that. What I do like about Sean Clifford, Gary, I, he feels like the kind of guy to me, if, if love is out three games, you can go two and one, you know, he, or if love gets hurt, and it's 13 all late third quarter. Clifford can steal you a win. He's really smart. His Wonderlick was 30, Gary. He's got better athleticism, I think, than, than a lot of people thought. He ran a 4.62, I think, at the combine. Yeah, um, that was impressive for a quarterback. That's really pretty, was. That, you know, that's pretty good. Obviously, he holds every Penn State passing record, so he's seen everything inside a, a pretty good conference, four-year starter, great leader, uh, things like that. Not much arm strength, Gary. A lot of scouts wonder if he can make all the throws, probably can't. But again, if, if love misses two games or three games and you're only asking, you know, him to get you through a couple of weeks and you split those games, um, you know, that's what you want from the backup quarterback. The other thing I liked about this pick Gary, had they gone, a, had they gone a quarterback, let's just say hooker, for example, out of Tennessee. Okay. And took him mid second round, right. It either picked 42 or 45 where they were set up. 
And now Love is struggling early in Green Bay's um, one. Yeah, of three, yeah. They two weren't going to do that. No right. way. Right. You've, you've set yourself up with a potential quarterback controversy, right? You're, you're never going to hear the fan base screaming for Sean Clifford. <laughs> right? <laughs> Absolutely not. You know what? So, I, so I, I, I think, Gary, it's the perfect guy with a young quarterback under center to have in there. He's smart. He gets things. I, I think he can get you through a two, three week window. If love goes down and, and he, and he's not going to kill you and nobody's ever going to be clamoring and, and suggesting that there's a quarterback competition in green Bay, which is the last thing you want with a first year starter. Yeah. You know, about a week before the draft, I heard this from an NFL official that the Packers wanted to go out and get a veteran backup quarterback. And like you said, a non-threatening quarterback to Jordan Love. Somebody that would come in just stabilize, you know, the quarterback room, and then they would pick a quarterback. But Brian Coons, Brian Coon, Brian Gutekunst said the other day, there isn't any plans right now to go out and get a veteran backup quarterback. At least that's how I understood his comment. And that he was going to go with the Penn State kid. And I, I just don't like that. I think they have to bring in a veteran quarterback at some point and uh, just just to uh, be like the moral compass in the quarterback room for love in particular well um, Danny Danny Etling is on the roster Gary yeah year old guy. <laughs> no no nor should you be I'm, I'm just saying I don't think it's a given that Clifford beats him out in camp Clifford could go to practice squad if, if Etling has a better summer we'll see how that plays out I don't I don't think it's a given that Sean Clifford is necessarily your number, excuse two. Me, your number two. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how that plays out through the, through the course of the summer, but you're right. At, at has been in the league five, six years. He's been on eight teams. He's been cut everywhere, cut everywhere. He's ever been never thrown an NFL pass. Um, it'd be a lot to ask him to, to step in and, and, and be the number two, but, but there are some things they like about him and they've had him around for a little while now. Um, I, I don't know, Gary. Have you looked at that list of, of of the backup quarterbacks that are still on the street? I'm not. I'm not sure they could come down there and and start for you at Racine Case, for example. It's a <laughs> it's a pretty unsavory group. Uh, well, and, would you bring in Teddy Bridgewater? No, you wouldn't. No, no, I wouldn't. I'd be tempted. Early 30s, right? He's been yeah. around a decade yeah. plus. He, yeah. he knows he's not going to be a starter. Right. I just, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I, I, again, green Bay is in the middle here, Gary, of in, in all these various places of going young, younger and youngest. I mean, they're, yeah. they're going to be one of the youngest teams in football. Are they going to add a veteran maybe here and there? Maybe an Adrian Amos shows back up and, and, and they put him at safety. Maybe they add one wide receiver to that room, you know, who's older than 23 years old. And, you know, um, I cripes Gary. I think half that wide receiver room probably can't have a, a an alcoholic beverage legally right now. I mean, that's how that's how young they are in in that particular room. They're and, gonna, and you know what, Rob? I think that's where they got to bring in a veteran wide receiver. I really they do. probably do. But, you know, somebody that can show them the ropes and saying, "Hey, you know, this is what it's about." And uh, that's that's a big transition going from college to the pros. Gary, have you looked at that list though as well? <laughs> I know, but I, I still do you want like Julio it. Jones, Gary. Do you want T Y Hilton? Right. Do you, you know, do you, do you want Kane, you know, and, and Keel Harry or whatever the old bear and, and Patriot guy. Do you, you know, well, no, no, do, but I, I, I'm you not want to bring that. back Sammy Watkins, but yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, no, Gary, it's, on a, that one for it's, sure. a, it, it's a very unsavory group. Yeah, um, and I agree because that the receiver that comes in in all likelihood <laughs> would be the fourth receiver at best, right? At best. Yeah, but, I mean, but that's okay. I, I, I just want a guy in there. It's like to make an analogy, the Miami Heat have a guy, you Dennis Haslam, okay? Yep. He's past his prime. He shouldn't be in the league, but the Heat want him on there because of his experience, okay, his leadership. And he's, believe it or not, an important cog to that, to the makeup of that team. That That's why I'm saying I think the uh, Packers should bring in a receiver with all his young receivers they currently have. So Maybe that's why Giannis's little brother is on the Bucks, Gary. Uh, don't get me started. <laughs> we won't go down that path. I just, I just no, had to no. throw. I just, I just had to throw that little jab. There you uh, go. In, in in your direction. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be fascinating, Gary. I mean, you got you got three wideouts from the from the twenty two draft and three yeah. more from the twenty twenty three draft. They very well could be your one through six. When, yeah. when it's all said and done here, heading heading into this particular season, and 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 the one thing that does make it tricky, Gary, is you know both rookies from last year that played a lot, Watson and Dobbs. I mean, I I, I would almost be of the mindset right now, uh, Watson's Watson's going to miss four, five, six games a year. It just he's he I, I think he's frail. He's going to be injury prone. You know, we'll we'll mm-hmm. we'll see how that all works out. Again, I think that's probably taking the 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 darker view, but I think it's also realistic. And Dobbs, you know, was injured as a rookie. These, mm-hmm. these guys are going to have to prove Gary they can get through a, a five month season, a seventeen game stretch. You know, Reed's going to be a rookie, and again, playing against twenty eight year old men. We get you're talking about 22, 23 year old kids that the Packers are going to put on the field. Uh, Samari Toure, if he's got, you know, if he wants to win that 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 number four job, or the you know the the kid the Packers take out of out, out of Virginia there in in round five, Wicks, you know, to be the four or the five. All these guys are pups, Gary. Can they get through a full NFL season? That would obviously be the argument. To, to, to add the veteran. The problem is right now, there's a lot of guys that are sitting on the street for a reason, right? They're oh, no question. No they're, question. they're, they're past their prime. They, you know, they, they never did much to begin with, whatever it is. That might be a situation, Gary, where in training camp, if green Bay feels they're particularly deep at a spot, maybe you swap some players and, and you bring in a veteran wide receiver that we trade for one on somebody else's roster and whatever you give up a Josiah DeGuar or something like that. Right. And, and you pull a trade like that. If green Bay all of a sudden thinks now they're deep at tight end or, or something like that. So I, I, I would Gary think when it's all said and done, they're, they're going to have one more, you know, receiver on the roster. That's probably between 28 and 30. Everybody I think thought it would be Randall Cobb maybe until today when Cobb signed with the jets. But uh, that 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 was probably a pretty yeah, that was inevitable. That, that was inevitable. probably a pretty predictable signing. Yeah, it was. No uh, so doubt. We'll, uh, you know, we'll we'll see where they go from here. But um, yeah, it, it would be it would be wild. They would have as young of a receiver group, Gary, that we've seen in this league in several years. Well, a name that I heard prior to the draft, uh, speaking of veteran wide receivers for the Packers, was Corey Davis of the Jets, <laughs> and you can reason- have them, huh? keep them. You can have him. Yeah, but you know what? Apparently, he's a great guy. Again, he's not coming in as a number one, two, three. He's probably coming in as four. And from what I understand, this is even before they they signed Cobb, was that they weren't going to pay him. I mean, you know, he's making a a lot of money. So 
the guys I talked to said that they thought the Jets were going to waive him, although the GM came out the other day and said, you know, he's still an important part of the piece. So I don't know if they're still trying to trade him. That was a negotiating ploy. But again, a couple of people told me a guy to keep an eye on was Corey Davis. So we'll see. Just really feels to me, Gary, a lot like 30 years ago when Brett Favre showed up and took over and Ron Wolf built this thing from the ground up that, that they're, they are going young, younger, and youngest at a lot of these positions. And they yeah. are, if, if it's a 12 and five football team and you think you're a piece away, then to me, maybe throwing a Corey Davis into the mix makes some sense. But if, if Gary, if you play him, let's say even 500 of the out of the 1,000 offensive snaps, and he's taking snaps now away from Reed, or he's taking snaps away from Dobbs or something yeah. like that, it just, there, there, there's, there's no logic. But no, I I totally understand where you're coming from. But again, like you said, Watson gets hurt. I I have no doubt he's going to get hurt. And all of a sudden that receiving line gets even thinner. Uh, But, but they wouldn't bring him in there to be like one of their go-to guys. Again, it's, it's from a leadership standpoint, uh, a, a veteran with experience. So. Anyways, we spent way too much talking about that. <laughs> you know my Jets talk. Yeah. Hey, real quickly before we wrap up, your, your thoughts uh, real quickly on Jordan Love. They, they gave him a, an extension. I, I thought it was great on the Packers' part. I If I was Jordan Love, I would have bet on myself and said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go out and have a, a, a killer season and uh, collect the money. Your thoughts. Yeah, Gary, I think it was a kind of a win-win though for both sides. In in both sides, got a little insurance in the deal too, right? Um, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about the Packers kind of protecting themselves, and um, if, if if Love is isn't uh, is isn't everything that they want him to be, you know, the the Packers get a little protection, Gary, if things don't work out great, and Jordan Love gets a little bit more money in the here and now. You remember, Gary, back to 08, the first year Rodgers was a starter. After about 10 games, Green Bay was sold on him and and thought, yep, he's our long-term guy. And they gave him a big extension probably about November of that particular season. You could see the same thing still play out here with Jordan Love. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes, Gary. But, you know, if, 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 if the Packers are seven and three or something like that and they're you know, they're, they're completely in love with, with Jordan Love moving forward. They, they could easily give him a big, you know, a big new contract in, in the middle or later part of this season. But I, I thought for now, Gary, it was kind of a win-win for both sides. Well, Rob, I, I think we can put a wrap on this podcast. Uh, it was good seeing you. I hope your dog, what kind of dog do you have? Yeah, it's a little Westy. We're, uh, as I soon know, as, not as, soon as well, I huh? hang up with you here, we're heading to the vet. He's, yeah. having, a, he's having a rough go of it. Well, uh, best of luck on, on that front, and I'm looking forward to uh, playing some golf with you this summer. We can literally tear up some courses. <laughs> <laughs> well, Gary, I think the first round is on me because, as as you and I both know, the de- the defensive coordinator is still in Green Bay. That's right. I almost forgot about. It. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never one to I'm never one to welch on a bet, Gary. <laughs> Thank you, Brian Gutekunz. <laughs> there you go. Right. <laughs> so, anyways, well, thanks, Rob, and uh, thanks again to our uh, loyal listeners. Take care, and all the best. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWoofle and Woofle'sPressBox.com. 